morning, everybody. We are in a very important sermon series, and as was just mentioned in the, in the announcements, we're calling this Church Matters for two reasons. First of all, we're focusing our attention on matters pertaining to the church, that is, some matters that you have identified in the Vital Church Assessment Report as areas that need attention right here at City Church. Now, City Church is not unique in the sense that we have matters that need to be strengthened. I mean, every church has matters that need to be strengthened, but we wanna be upfront with that. We wanna recognize that there are issues that we need to work on to get healthier. We will be able then to attract a stronger candidate for the senior pastor position. So that's one very important reason for this series because we're looking at matters pertaining to the church. The other reason is because church matters. And last week we learned how much it does matter. We noted together that you and I cannot fulfill any of the purposes for which God has put us on planet Earth, apart from our being committed to a local church like City Church. You just can't. Or to state that positively, we absolutely need to be part of a church family in order to fulfill the five purposes for which God has placed us on this planet. So what are those purposes? Let's review them very quickly. First of all, God has recreated us in Christ that we might focus on him in worship as a lifestyle, not just on Sunday morning what we do here, but as a way of life. And then he's also recreated us that we might face life's problems through fellowship. So worship is one purpose, fellowship is another. And then we also are to fortify our faith. That's why we need to be part of a church community, to grow and, and to be disciples. So discipleship is the third purpose. Another one is to find our ministry, both in the church and in the world. That's called our service. And then finally, to fulfill our God-given mission of outreach or evangelism. So worship, fellowship, discipleship, service, and outreach or evangelism are the five purposes that God has given to us. Now today we're talking about our need for fellowship. Research shows that the number one question that's asked of people who show up on a, say, a Sunday morning to visit a church is the question, do I fit in here? Will I and my family be welcomed? Are we gonna find acceptance? So that's the key kind of question that's asked of everybody who comes, say, to City Church. Research also shows that one half to two thirds of all the people who start attending a church will be gone within five years. And the number one reason that's cited as to why that happens is because people don't feel that they're finding the sense of belonging, community, fellowship, warmth, support, and care that they were looking for. And having been a pastor for more than 50 years, I know that's true. A church can be orthodox in its doctrine. It can have amazing programs, but if people are not finding significant friendships, if they're not connecting relationally, if they're not experiencing support and care, they're out the door. 
So we're going to discover today, as we look at the scriptures, that this whole matter of being a, 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 a family that is ex where people are experiencing acceptance and support and love and community is the mark of a healthy Christ-honoring church. So I'm just wondering, are you finding community and acceptance here? How would you rate the acceptance factor at City Church? Are we strong, are we weak? Is this an area that needs some attention? The Vital Church Report would suggest, yeah, we really do know, need some attention in this area. Okay, then how do we get stronger so that everybody is sensing the, and experiencing the need for community and are assimilated into the family of this church. How do we do that? Those are the kinds of issues that we need to explore as we consider this topic of our need for fellowship. So I wanna to try to answer the three questions that you see on your outline this morning. First of all, what does biblical community or fellowship even look like? What is it? Well, unfortunately today, the term I think has lost a lot of its biblical meaning. I mean, oftentimes what we think of fellowship, what we have in mind is kind of a casual conversation with somebody in the lobby of the church while munching on a donut hole and drinking coffee. Now, let me be very clear. I don't have anything against donut holes <laughs> or coffee or casual conversation in the lobby, okay? All of those things are vital. They're very important. But if that's what we think fellowship is, we've missed it. It's much more than casual conversation that involves food. Okay, what is it? Well, if you, you were to do a study of, of the word for fellowship as found in the scriptures, including perhaps even some of the original languages, uh, the word koinonia, fellowship, you would discover that it takes three forms. And I would encourage you to write these down in your outline there, your sermon outline. First of all, there's what we share in together. What well, we share in together, our common experience of salvation. So to cut to the chase, what that essentially means is in order for you to experience community or fellowship, you need to be a Christian. How about that? It says in John chapter one, the following, to all who received him, speaking of Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become Children of God. Wow. The next verse in John's gospel talks about our being born from above, born again. So the new birth gives us the ability to respond in faith to Christ, to receive him, to believe on his name, to commit our very lives to him. And when that happens, the 12th verse is saying we become part of God's family, okay? We're the children of God. Isn't that an incredible thought? So if there was a spiritual version of Ancestry.com, you know, you would discover you've got relatives that go back thousands of years. You are connected by faith to Abraham and Isaac and Deborah and Rebecca and, you know, the, all the patriarchs and, and godly kings and the prophets and the apostles and everybody down through the centuries. You've got spiritual cousins in Vietnam and, and Cambodia and Brazil and all over this planet. Isn't that an incredible thought? Here we have been born from above 
by the presence and power of, the, of, the, of God the Father, redeemed or sacrificed by the same Son and indwelt by the presence of the same Holy Spirit. So this is our common experience of salvation, okay? So that's the first part of this, what we share in together. But clearly, fellowship doesn't end there. So secondly, there's also what we share out together, our common service. In other words, fellowship also involves what we do together. Now let me give you a couple of examples from scripture. Philippians 1, Paul is writing to his church friends, Philippi. He's in prison in Rome, and this is what he says. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you because of your partnership, it's the same word koinonia, fellowship, in the gospel from the first day until now. So they also had fellowship as partners in evangelism. Paul was the missionary telling others about Jesus, starting churches, and they were partners with him by providing prayer and financial support. We also have this verse, though, in Hebrews chapter 13 about sharing our material possessions with other believers. Do not neglect to do good and to share. There it is, the same word again, koinonia, fellowship, what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, in these first two aspects of fellowship, it's as, it's as if we're all facing in the exact same direction. Okay? When we think about what we share in together, our common salvation experience, we're all facing upward toward the Lord. When we think about what we do together in terms of what we share out, we're all facing either the church or the world that we're called upon to serve. But now this third aspect has to do with what we share with one another. And with regard to this, we're no longer facing in the same direction. It's as if we're in a circle and we're facing one another for purposes of mutual support. A few years ago, I engaged in what for me was a very meaningful study. I looked up and examined all of the one another verses that are scattered throughout the New Testament, verses that describe the reciprocal character of Christian fellowship. And what I learned was this, of the 58 verses throughout the New Testament as to what we are to do with and for one another as believers, 16 of those verses talk about our need to love one another. And it's as if all the others are really describing what it means to love one another, how we go about doing that. So you have statements like these, bear, with one, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, be devoted to one another, Honor, instruct, submit to, comfort, accept, serve, forgive, practice hospitality toward, and confess your sins to one another. Wow. So that's our Christian fellowship. Jesus invites us to come together as a family, and out of that common salvation experience, what we share in together, there's what we share out in terms of service, and what we share with in terms of mutual support. Okay, how about a description of fellowship? What is it, how about a model? All right, well, um, many years ago, there was a very popular sitcom on television, lasted like 11 years, that took place in a Boston pub. And it had a theme song, 
which continues down through this very day to impact people and to be used. In fact, I heard it last night for an Applebee's commercial, the song, Applebee's. I'm watching this playoff game of NFL and here comes the same song. That was the theme song for this TV show which was called what? Cheers, right, very good. Some of you might remember that, all right. I'm not gonna sing the song, but this is how the theme song goes. Tell me if this isn't relevant for our day. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You wanna be where you can see troubles are all the same. You wanna be where everybody knows your name. Well, as popular as Cheers was, and as popular as taverns and pubs still are for many people today, all of that pales in comparison to the greatest example of community or fellowship that the world has ever experienced. Say, what in the world would that be? We go back to Acts chapter two and the description that the Bible gives to us of what life, community was like in the early church. So let me read these verses. We looked at them last week. Let me read them again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all who believed were together. So there you have what they were sharing in together, right? All who believed were together and had all things in common, koina, related to koinonia. And they were selling their possessions and belongings. So here you have what they were sharing out together, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So there was what they were sharing with one another, mutual support. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see the three aspects of fellowship, they're all here. They were in each other's homes. They were eating meals together and conversing and praying and supporting and enjoying and doing life together. And it was so real and contagious that it says in this text, they were having favor with all the people. Outsiders were observing this reality of Christian community and they were saying, we want in on this. And so it goes on to say that the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. In other words, fellowship, the community loving and supporting each other as, as believers in Christ was so real that it was, it was a means of conversion and of church growth. So that's biblical fellowship defined and modeled. All right, second question. How does such fellowship get expressed today? If that kind of fellowship is to become part of the DNA of city church, what does it take, okay? What are the qualities that are needed? Four of them that I wanna to mention to you. First of all, in real fellowship, people experience authenticity. Authenticity, authentic fellowship isn't simply Casual conversation in the lobby with a donut hole and a coffee, okay? What is it? 
It's heart-to-heart, sometimes gut-level sharing. It happens when we get honest with other people about who we are and what's going on in our lives. So we're able to connect with at least one other person to share our hurts, our joys, our disappointments, our discouragements, where life hurts for us, and you know, problems, and um, giving and receiving support. All of that is part of what we're talking about in terms of authenticity. True community takes place when somebody can say, you know what, I'm, I'm still dealing with my addiction. Or somebody says, oh man, I just found out I've got stage four cancer and I am scared. Somebody else says, well, I'm lonely. Or somebody acknowledges to other people, my marriage is falling apart. Or I've lost my job, okay? On the other hand, if there's none of that, if there's no vulnerability, no authenticity, such community becomes absolutely impossible because it begins with a willingness to admit weaknesses and brokenness. And so such community or authenticity, I should say, is certainly gonna require trust and confidentiality. I mean, if you sense that somebody's about to post in social media what you've just shared, that's not gonna work. Trust, confidentiality, it's gonna take a measure of courage as well. No wonder then authenticity tends to be a missing element in a lot of churches today. And why it is that people are wearing masks, not just for COVID, wearing emotional masks and pretending every, my marriage, work, kids, life, wonderful. Everything is just wonderful. That's oftentimes the image that gets portrayed. So it's only as we become open about our lives with somebody else that we experience authentic community. The Bible puts it like this, 1 John 1. If we walk in the light and seize in the light, we have fellowship with one another. But on the other hand, if we're living in denial of all of this, if we say we have no sin, no weakness, no brokenness, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So why would anybody want to take such a risk to be vulnerable? Well, because it's the only way to grow spiritually and the only way really to be emotionally healthy. And so the scripture encourages us, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So here's what I would like you to do. On a scale of one to 10, I'd like you to come up with a number that for you expresses where City Church is right now when it comes to this matter of authenticity. So write down after this word that perhaps you've written down, authenticity, Write down a, a number, one to 10. One is terrible, no community whatsoever. 10 is like, we're just like the church in Acts chapter two. What number would you give? And I would encourage you to have conversation with your spouse, with family members, with a friend sometime after the service today regarding the number that you wrote down, all right? So secondly, in real fellowship, people experience mutuality. What's that? Well, it's about building reciprocal relationships, sharing responsibilities, sharing life together. So scripture says, Romans 1, I long to see you, Paul writes, that I might, may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 
So it's about mutual accountability, the encouragement of scripture in that direction, mutual encouragement, mutual serving. Now I mentioned that we have these one another passages more than 50 times scattered throughout the New Testament. And it's talking obviously about mutuality, okay? So again, on a scale of one to 10, what number would you write down to describe the um, mutuality factor here at City Church? All right, number three. In real community, people experience sympathy. Now, what is sympathy? Well, it's not simply giving advice. It's not simply offering a quick solution to a very complex problem that somebody is dealing with. It's entering into people's pain. That, in short, is the definition of sympathy. Sometimes others would want to use the word uh, empathy. Either word certainly works, but it's having concern or compassion for others who are hurting. So the Bible says, Colossians 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The problem often is that in pride, I'm so concerned about my issues that I really don't care that much about yours. And obviously that's something that scripture wants us to be challenged about. We're called to care about other people in pain. Now I think it might be helpful, helpful for us to recognize that community or fellowship has three levels. And we need to, I think, understand what they are because they're appropriate really at different times. The simplest level of fellowship we'll simply call level one. What's that? Well, that's where you are willing to share a relatively safe prayer concern. You know, I'd like you to pray for my cousin George who lives up in Canada. I haven't seen him in 30 years, but I understand he has COVID. Okay, well, we can pray for your cousin George in Canada that you haven't seen in many years who has COVID but that's not really all that gut-wrenching for you, is it? So that's level one, or it's sharing an answer in a, in a growth group to a, 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 one of the discussion questions that is still relatively safe. It's not something that you're, that's close to you, expressing emotion, okay? So that's level one, and it's needed. I mean, level, it's needed for growth, but it's still level one. What's level two? Well, level two would be serving together. Maybe it's part of the worship team or technical support or a, a team of uh, children's workers. And as you're ministering with one another, you begin to share life. You're beginning to become more vulnerable, more open to what's going on in your life, giving and receiving, okay? So that's level two. Step up, obviously, from level one. What's level three? Well, it would be a fellowship in suffering where we enter into each other's pain and carry each other's burdens. And it's doing what Galatians 6 says to do, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To illustrate this, Valerie and I were part of a small group for more than 10 years. And I would say for the first so year or so, we were at level one. You know, that, that was good, that was helpful, but it was, once again, level one. So then after a period of time, Paul and Donna told us that 
they were about to go through a divorce. At least they were seriously contemplating it. We couldn't believe it. Paul and Donna, are you kidding me? We stayed with them, we supported them the entire time. They got counseling to, to address things. They're stronger today in their marriage than they've ever been. And that was part of the journey that opened up the entire group in terms of what we were dealing with. Shortly after that, Don and Sally told us about their 19, 20-year-old son who had just gotten kicked out of his second Christian college, one in Minnesota, the other in Texas, how he had been arrested for his addiction uh, drug-related issues. He had spent some time in jail. They were trying to get him into a treatment program, and none of them were working. He'd relapsed. Finally, they got him into Teen Challenge, and his life was transformed. But my point being, we went from level one and jumped right into level three because of, a lo of openness and, and just sharing our lives together. So I'm wondering, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the sympathy factor here at City Church, okay? It's in times of crisis and loss that we need other people. I mean, just think of what we've gone through over the last year plus. Global infirmity called COVID, social instability with rioting and unrest in our city, racial inequality, the death of George Floyd and others, financial insecurity, political instability. Isn't any wonder that we are discouraged and in pain, many of us? Wow, and just to add to that, all of the personal stuff that you may have gone through, losses of a, of a parent or a child or somebody, you know, I mean, these are tough things. It's why we need support. So I'm wondering what your plan is because the crisis is gonna hit you sooner or later. So what's your plan to get support? That's why the church exists. So sympathy factor, rate it. Fourthly, in real fellowship, people experience grace. What's that? Well, grace is being a church where mistakes are not rubbed in, they're rubbed out. The Bible puts it like this, Colossians 3.13. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We struggle, many of us do, with forgiving certain individuals, why? Sometimes, I'm sure it's more complicated than this, but sometimes it's because we don't distinguish between forgiveness and trust. They're not the same. Forgiveness is letting go of a past hurt. What's trust? Trust has to do with future behavior. This verse in Colossians commands us to forgive people who hurt us. But that doesn't mean you have to start trusting them if there's been abuse or some other difficulty in your life. No, I mean, they have to prove that their lives have been changed. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the grace factor here at City Church? Do we rub it in or do we rub it out? Okay, well, I hope this has made you hungry to experience authenticity, mutuality, sympathy, grace of real fellowship. And it leads us then to question three, how can real fellowship be strengthened here at City Church? Well, let's understand something that is crucial. Only the Holy Spirit can create true fellowship. 
This isn't a matter of programming. You know, some churches have a room in their building that they call the fellowship hall. It's if, you know, just having a, a title or, a, you know, a room name creates, no, obviously it's, the Holy Spirit has got to do this. It's not a strategy or a structure that we invent. But having said that, he uses our choices and commitments to make it happen. So if we want to promote and experience the real deal here at City Church, what needs to happen? I offer these four suggestions. Number one, must be modeled by leadership. Jesus modeled these four qualities and the leaders of City Church need to model them too. The leadership board needs to model this, the staff needs to model this, ministry leaders, your transitional pastor needs to model this. I mean, we all need to model this, okay? How? Well, by being real, sharing our lives, supporting and serving each other. And I think the board is, is aware of this. And so that's one of the reasons, as was mentioned, we, they want to express openness and improve communication. So they're having a town hall meeting next week, the first of a series that will be held on a monthly basis to communicate what's going on and allow you to have some dialogue and ask your questions. The board is also considering a governance structure to address some of the recommendations of the vital church report. I don't know where that's gonna go, but we're at least having conversation or will about it. Meanwhile, I want you to know, I'm having fun with the staff. We meet every Tuesday, 10 o'clock, and the first thing we do is called check-in, where if we're doing, feeling something, something's going on in our lives, it's gonna make it difficult for us to be engaged in the meeting. We, we share that for purposes of support and prayer. We go into our meeting, it lasts until uh, 11.30. We break, come back again at 12.30, and we have a time of worship and prayer. Devin leads us in our worship time, and then we typically break up into small groups to pray for the matters that you brought to our attention in your connection card, okay? So that underscores the importance of all of that. In addition to all of that, we're reading a book together and uh, discussing a video series together. All of this is to draw us together to more effectively model emotional health and vulnerability. I'm having fun. So, fellowship has got to be modeled. Number two, real fellowship can be strengthened by all of us serving as greeters. Now this doesn't do away with the need for greeters out in the lobby with donut holes and coffee. <laughs> but we can all practice what is sometimes called the three minute rule. Yeah, what in the world is that? Well, as soon as church is over, we're encouraged to spend the first two or three minutes having conversation with people we don't know. Now that's a little bit hard to determine when we're wearing masks, I get that. But if there's somebody that you recognize, well, I'm not sure I even know that. Maybe they've been here for 10 years. I don't know them. So you connect with them. You find out who they are, okay? Then you can, after that time of conversation with some people you don't know, maybe even a guest, you have conversation with your friends, all right? People are longing today for community. And what this is saying is, let's give it to them. Okay, number three, or C, for true fellowship or community to happen, we need to be involved in some type of small group. Again, all the one another verses of the New Testament. What's your plan 
to carry them out if you're not connected in some way, like in a small group kind of an experience. So how do we do these things? I mean, does somebody get up in the, after a song on a Sunday morning and say, uh, excuse me, my marriage is in trouble? Well, I guess they could, but this service has not been put together primarily to foster community. This is a service of worship. The structure that God has used throughout the centuries to encourage loving support and community is the small group. Let's come back to Acts chapter two. Notice these verses. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now these courts were huge. They could accommodate like 50,000 people. So there's your large group corporate worship experience. But they also, it says, broke bread in their homes, small group, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, there are different types of small groups. There are support small groups, like grief share, and um, ministry groups, you're part of a team, like the worship team growth groups that are dedicated to nurturing spiritual growth and Bible study. We don't particularly care what kind of small group you're in as long as it's providing you with authentic community. Ideally, everybody should be in some type of small group. Why? Well, because spiritual growth is relational. We don't grow unless we're connecting with other people and also to receive support. So. If you're not part of such a group, what do you do? Well, contact the church office, Pastor Amy, any of us, and we'll be glad to point you in proper directions. Number four, fellowship can be strengthened at City Church by participating in something totally new called Sunday morning community. Back in December, we had a couple of discussion groups going on concurrent with worship in the uh, commons about an idea, that's always just an idea that we wanted to share with you about one family-friendly worship service on a Sunday morning, followed by a fellowship teaching time that we're now calling Sunday Morning Community. Church Board recently enthusiastically gave support to our implementing this as an experiment. It's an experiment, it's gonna start February the 6th and over the next few weeks, you're gonna be hearing a lot of good stuff about all of this. There'll be classes for children. Velocity will meet again on a Sunday morning. They haven't met together on a Sunday morning since pre-COVID. We're gonna have a variety of adult groups uh, as well, age, stage, uh, Gen Xers, millennials, uh, Gen Zers and boomers. You self-select your group. Why are we doing this? Well, because we understand that young people together, young adults, are more likely to experience koinonia, fellowship, the great need that we have right now in our church by connecting with others of a similar life stage. So that's the reason, of course, the same thing is true for seniors and you know everybody in between. Now, is this gonna work? We don't know. It's an experiment. We're gonna do it from February 6th to May 22. We'll get feedback from you. What we're asking for today is, would you please consider this? Would you give it a, a shot? Try it, invite your friends. You going to Sunday morning community? Well, I don't know. Well, come on, let's go together and, and we'll check it out for a period of time, okay? 
So to end the teaching today, let me wrap this up by drawing to your attention three action steps I want you to do. Number one, pray for our church. This season of transition is just a wonderful opportunity for our church to get even stronger by praying that issues like fellowship get addressed and that the church board, the staff, ministry leaders, all of us will model the kind of authentic community that we've been talking about today. Secondly, if you're not part of some type of small group, like a growth group or whatever, con as I said, contact the church office, Pastor Amy, myself, We'll get you pointed in the right direction. And thirdly, as we move into one service, followed by fellowship and teaching called Sunday Morning Community, try it. May God grant that we might be a church that's rich and real in the area of community and continue to encourage one another in this direction. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled to think that we're connected to the God who is Trinity, so that there is fellowship within the Godhead. It just, wow. And we hunger to know some aspect of that, real fellowship with you and with one another. So Father, help us to experience it, to remember that we share with one another as brothers and sisters in the salvation of the triune God and that as a result of all of that, we share out in service and share with one another in mutual support. So Father, help us to rethink fellowship, that we might be in greater measure the caring, loving, supporting, serving, forgiving family that you call us to be. All for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.